Thank you, Zoe. And thanks to your worship team for leading us in worship this morning. Wonderful. Pastor Tom, great to have you here. Good to hear that God is uh, doing great things still through Walkerville Church. And you've got a place to meet at 4 o'clock. At least you've got a place to meet. What are you complaining about? Okay. <laughs> great. So glad you could be here with us this morning. Mr. Charles Angle was 83 years of age when we first met him in Medicine Hat, Alberta. Charles had a sense of humor that kept him laughing at his own jokes all the time. Nobody else laughed, but Charles laughed all the time. When people asked him how old he was, he would say he was a backwards 38. 83 years old, and he still worked in his garden every single day of the summer. It wasn't raining. He was out there working in his garden and laughing at his own jokes. But Charles did not like change of any kind. In 1993, he was still driving a 1963 Chev Bel Air sedan. No power steering, no power brakes, no air conditioning, no radio, no sir. In his 83 years, Charles never traveled more than 50 miles from his home. He was born on a homestead outside of Medicine Hat and moved to a house in Medicine Hat that wasn't more than 50 miles away from the homestead. In his entire life, 83 years, he never traveled more than 50 miles from home. The year that Patty and I went to prayer retreat in Banff, Alberta, he said, Pastor, I wouldn't go if I was you. I said, why not, Charles? He said, that's in the mountains. I said, yeah, they'll close you in. He said, poor Charles. I can't imagine being 83 years old and never having traveled more than 50 miles away from my house. Charles didn't like change. And every time we changed anything in the church, we would get a note from Charles or a conversation from Charles. Charles did not like change. So he'd never make a 4 o'clock service, brother. He'd never make it. You, and you'd be getting a note. His often repeated sentiment around town was, things sure ain't the way they used to be. Things sure ain't the way they used to be. I could still hear him say that. You'd think he was born in the South, the way he thought. Things sure ain't the way they used to be. And I'd say, yeah, Charles, things aren't the way they used to be. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of glad about that. I, I'm not sure I want to go back to black and white TV and, and, and uh, ringer washers and, and ducktails. Oh, those ducktails. And I bet there's not a single farmer alive today who would rather be working with a team of horses than a new John Deere diesel tractor with air conditioning and a GPS. What would we do without microwaves and dishwashers and Wi-Fi? I mean, I can't even watch a hockey game peacefully without a remote control in my hand. Right? Guys, you know what I'm talking about? We've got to have a remote control. It's true. Things aren't the way they used to be. But who wants to reverse all that progress? And yet, that's precisely what the early believers were being tempted to do. The recipients of this letter to the Hebrews, were experiencing some persecution. 
Things were tough for them, and they were beginning to think it might just be easier to go back. Let's just go back to the Jewish way. Let's go back to Jewish worship. Let's go back to Jewish ways of living. And so the author of Hebrews mounts a mighty defense. He wants them to keep running the race with endurance and never, never, never give up. He wants them to remember that, that discipline that comes from God is actually a, a tool in the hands of a loving Heavenly Father who's just trying to mold us and shape us so that we can live more like Jesus. And, and he wants us to know that the diligence and, and, and vigilance that he calls for is extremely important if we're going to run this race well and finish. And so he now makes several strong declarations that are designed uh, to, to encourage us and motivate us and inspire us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and keep running the race with endurance. And first of all, he says, you belong to a spiritual kingdom. We pick up the text in Hebrews 12, verse 18, where the writer says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given, if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you, verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So there's an implied but unmistakable contrast in these verses between the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, between the, the uh, physical features of the Old Covenant and the spiritual features of the New Covenant. There's a great difference between the physical mountain of Mount Sinai where, where Moses received the stone tablets, the commandments, the law of God, and the spiritual mountain, Mount Zion, where grace continues to flow to us this very day. There's a tremendous difference between those. Under the Old Covenant, the emphasis was on the infinite distance between God and man. How are we ever going to reach Him? The divine voice was frightful and the divine presence was inaccessible. But today Jesus declares, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends instead. So everything is different. Everything is different in this spiritual kingdom that we've been bought into. That's because we've come to Mount Zion and, and now we belong to a spiritual kingdom and we have a personal relationship with the king himself. And that changes everything. One of the bedtime stories that I used to tell my son Nathan when he was just a little guy was about the courageous Moravian missionaries who first went to the Inuit people in the far, far north to tell them about the love of Jesus. And apparently, the missionaries could not find a word in the Inuit language for forgiveness. And so they, they made one up. They had to compound a word using several different words, and this formidable assembly of 24 letters was, was really something to see. It, it looks like this. I have no idea how to pronounce that. 24 letters, but it has a beautiful connotation. 
It, 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 it means literally not being able to think about it anymore. Forgiveness is, is, is not being able to think about it anymore. I told Nathan that when God forgives us, he buries our, our sins in the deepest ocean. He separates us from our sins as far as east is from west. And, and he takes care of our sins so that we don't have to think about it anymore. And he certainly doesn't think about it anymore. And Nathan smiled this wide, big smile, I remember. Jesus made us a part of his kingdom the moment we said, I believe, I trust in you, Lord Jesus. In that very instant, the king of this spiritual kingdom became our God. He's the sinner's savior. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest principle in philosophy. He's the only one to qualify as the ruler of this spiritual kingdom to which you and I belong. We belong to a spiritual kingdom thanks to Jesus Christ. And it, it's, it's radically different than any other kingdom or any other monarchy or any other republic or dictatorship on the planet. It's totally different. It's a spiritual kingdom. And if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become part of that spiritual kingdom instantly. In addition to that, Another declaration the writer makes is that you belong to an everlasting kingdom. You belong to a spiritual kingdom, but it's also an everlasting kingdom. It says in verse 22, You've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God. Well, we come to a lot, don't we? When we come to this Mount Zion, this spiritual mountain. We come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Wow. When you come to Jesus, you come to a lot. You, you gain a lot in this spiritual kingdom, in this everlasting kingdom. He has so much to give. Are your hands big enough to receive it all? Is your heart open wide enough to get it all in there? Notice the first word of verse 22. It's the word but. And here it serves as a very strong adversative. It emphasizes the fact that what people under the old covenant experienced is so much different than what we experience under the new covenant Remember, Moses came to Mount Sinai, and what he saw there was so terrifying that he said, I trembled in fear. But, verse 22, that strong adversative, but, in contrast to that, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And then jump down to verse 4, you come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. You come to all of this. Praise God. Jesus introduces a new and living way. It's the way of faith, hope, and love. It's the way of peace and promise. And as followers of Jesus, you see, we belong to this, this kingdom that's both spiritual and everlasting, and it's full of, of endless delight and, and, and perpetual joy. The new Jerusalem is waiting for us. That heavenly city of Zion waiting for us. The world with all of its fears and all of its fightings will one day be gone and life 
will be made new. And on that great day, we'll hear that voice, as John did in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Won't that be a great day? Woohoo! Come on! Let's do it. Now let me ask you something. Isn't that worth it? Isn't that worth running the race for? Isn't that worth a little bit of discipline that you might have to experience along the way? Isn't that worth the pain and suffering? Isn't that worth the trials and tribulations that may come and go in our lives? Isn't that worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. God Himself will be our God. We will see Jesus face to face. The Bible says we'll be like Him because we'll see Him as He is. Oh, my. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. No mourning, no crying, no pain, no cancer, no strokes, no dementia. Hallelujah. Everything will be new. Everything. In the everlasting kingdom of our God, Jamie Leno will have a new body that works perfectly. I'm looking forward to that day when we get to experience our first day together in heaven. Oh boy, that's going to be a great day. I've now waited 33 years for her to say, Dad, I love you. But I think on that day, when we spend that first day, I'll, I'll hear those words. And, and she'll be jumping and leaping and praising God and giving thanks to God for His grace all along the way. You see, Jamie will be perfect. Yes, you belong to a spiritual kingdom, but you also belong to an everlasting kingdom and one that the writer goes on to declare is also an unshakable kingdom. We belong to an unshakable kingdom. Verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So given the the, the superior nature of this new covenant of grace, and given the superior nature of the reign of Jesus Christ who warns from heaven, the author issues another, another invitation for us to respond in faith. He, he, he calls for a response of faith. See that you do not refuse him who's speaking. 
So he's warned us several times. If you go back in the first 11 chapters, you find other warnings from this writer uh, who's writing to Hebrews. He does not miss this opportunity to remind us again, and he calls for a response. You belong to an unshakable kingdom, so you don't need to be afraid of anyone or anything anymore. You belong to an unshakable kingdom, and that ought to shape your words and thoughts and deeds. You belong to an unshakable kingdom. And in that great day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, at the end of the age, both the earth and the heavens as we know them will be removed to make way for the new heavens and the new earth that the Bible speaks about. Believers actually belong to that order of things that cannot be shaken because we trust in the Lord. And the world as we know it may be uprooted, but there's one thing that cannot be destroyed. There's one thing that cannot be dissolved or decimated or obliterated, and that's your relationship with the living God. Everything else may change. The stuff may get burnt up. The, the earth as we know it will, will dissolve, will melt. The heavens will be changed. Everything will be made new. But the one thing that cannot change is your relationship with God. Everything else may, be, may go to that place in a handbasket. You know the saying? Everything else. But your relationship with God will be intact. Jesus said in John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He comes not into judgment, but is passed from death to life. You see, believers in Jesus belong to the order of things that cannot be shaken. And when you trust in Jesus Christ, when, when He becomes your Lord and your Savior through faith in Him and trust in Him, then you become part of a spiritual kingdom that's an everlasting kingdom, and it's unshakable. So the whole world can fall to pieces around you, and you can stand strong. You can stand firm with endurance and never, never, never give up because the kingdom you belong to is an unshakable kingdom. The apostle Paul put it like this in Romans chapter 8. You love this passage, I know you do. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can pry us loose from the love of God. Isn't that right? If you believe it, say praise God. praise God. Yeah, we believe that. Nothing can separate us from God's love. So shake everything. But I will not be shaken. You will not be shaken. Nothing's going to pry us loose. Therefore, 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 verse 28, let us be grateful. Are you grateful this morning? Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Huh. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. Think about that for a minute. What, what is that? What is acceptable worship? When I'm checking my watch or checking my phone or checking my shoes... That may not be acceptable worship. With reverence and awe, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. 
For our God is a consuming fire. So when, when, when you understand this and when you believe this and when you experience the kingdom of God in your soul by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ, then, then you become grateful. And, and, and you just want to worship God in reverence and awe. Acceptable worship. For some of you, that may look like this. For some, it might look like this. And for some, it might, might be like this. For others, it will look like this. Acceptable worship. Why? Because God is a consuming fire and he, He's given us this unbelievable presence in the kingdom of God, this kingdom that is spiritual and everlasting and unshakable. So everything can come apart at the seams and everything can fall down around you, but God will still be your God. And He deserves our praise and worship for that, don't you think? Let's pray together. Father, Oh, we thank you this morning for this amazing gift of a Savior whose name is Jesus. He ushers us immediately into this kingdom that is foreign to us before we trust in Him. But it's a kingdom that is, that is a spiritual kingdom, and, and, and it's, it's, it's based on a new relationship that we have with Jesus as our Savior, as our King. He no longer calls us servants. Instead, He calls us friends. And we're grateful. Oh, we're so grateful to you for that. Thank you that it, it's also an everlasting kingdom. And one day, one day when everything else is shaken, that which cannot be shaken will not be. And we will see our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The scripture says we'll be like him because we'll see him like he is. In that forever place called heaven. The new heavens and the new earth, we look forward to those days. And for now, we, we're completely and totally satisfied to be part of an unshakable kingdom because our king is Jesus and we follow him. Lord, we want to honor you. We want to, we want to worship you with acceptable worship. Even in our corporate gathering this morning, may our worship of you be pleasing in your sight. May the words of our hearts and the meditations of, of, our, of our lives be, be acceptable to you. May the words that we sing, Father, bring you praise and glory and honor and blessing today because you are a, a consuming fire. And we tremble with reverence and love and appreciation this morning, not with fear. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.